0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, and welcome to Newsweek's Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Alan Scott. On today's episode, I'll be chatting with the one, the only, Tom Hanks. Do I need to say anything more? No, I don't, I don't I don't think I do. I think that's the best intro. But I will say, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. I've done a lot of interviews, but this one you're about to hear, I can safely say it is one of my favorites. So go on, grab a snack, because I'll be right back.
1: Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort, meets convenience.
0: Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
1: This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month.
0: Tom Hanks is one of those superstars that is so ingrained in the fabric of our culture. You know what I mean? Like, how many times have you heard someone say, life is like a box of chocolates, or scream, Wilson! He's been a part of our lives for over 40 years, and in many ways, he's been like our best friend, or our dad, or the person we go to that... We know that we can trust that the film we're about to see is going to be authentic, that they're going to give us something good. But now we're seeing Tom Hanks in a new light. And it's not just because of the encounter he recently had with fans, which, for the record, if a group of people were crowding me and made me trip, you better bet I'd want my partner to yell, you better back the fuck off. But I digress. Tom Hanks delivers a performance that we've never really seen before from him in Baz Lerman's Elvis. It's in theaters Friday, June 24th. Tom Hanks plays Elvis's infamous manager, Colonel Tom Parker. And I spoke with Tom about the film and fame, his many quotable moments, and I just had to share with him the impact that the film Philadelphia had on my life. When you wake up in the morning, do you ever be like, I'm Tom Hanks? Like, I mean, I would, do you ever feel that aura of Tom Hanks? And you're like, how did this happen?
1: No, that happens at three o'clock in the morning.
0: uh, When, uh, you know, (laughs) you You go back over
1: the, you know, the course of the day, and things should be, things should be a little better than they are. And then you think, what is, what is, what has happened to me?
0: You know, I've been dealing
1: with this for a while now. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm 66, and I've woken up as Tom Hanks every day for the last 66 years. So I've made my peace with it. You're pretty
0: used to it by now. <laughs> well, like Colonel Tom, what fascinates me about Colonel Tom is that he was so huge in the life of Elvis. But at the same time, there's so little known about him.
1: Did you know what he looked like? I didn't know
0: what he looked like. I knew a little bit what he looked like because my family, whenever we would drive to Orlando for vacation, we'd stop in Memphis at Graceland. That was always the stop we made. So I knew a lot about Elvis's life, oddly, growing up, but I was I know little about Colonel Tom at all. And how, how did you discover the Colonel Tom for you that you were gonna play?
1: Well, I, when Elvis, excuse me, when Baz came in and first talked about Elvis, I couldn't figure out why in the world he would come to see me. Um, but what I had just played Falstaff to um, yeah. Hamish Linkletter as um, as uh, Prince Howe in Henry the Fourth, and um, there was the idea there, of course, the the manipulative you know, heavy set man who everybody loves, who coaches a young man from, from adolescence to being king, and then is left on the doorstep, uh, right at the moment of glory. And when Baz came in and said, um, Colonel, T- he said, Colonel Tom Parker. There would have been no Elvis without Colonel Tom Parker. There would have been no Colonel Tom Parker without Elvis. And I said, okay, I don't know what the man looks like. I've never heard his voice everybody has this vision of a colonel, Tom Parker. It's like mm-hmm. Davy Crockett or something like that. And the reality was so the polar opposite of what the man, uh, what we all think the man was, that I was instantly fascinated. There was also to the dynamic of the, the, you know, the puppet master behind the artist that I thought mm-hmm. I'm not, I wasn't interested in doing because it pretty much, it's, it's always some guy saying, no, you can't do this. You have to do that. I know you don't want to sing that song, but you're going to have to sing this song. And that was not the case uh in in the relationship between the two. Um what I learned an awful lot of reading and, and mm. looking at uh um searching out uh the 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 life story, like the two the two biographies of Elvis by uh Veronik, you know, um last, yeah. last Train from Memphis and whatever the second one is called. I can't remember. Um yeah. There was a there's a description in there of an awfully uh, dynamic relationship between one artist who is an equal to Picasso or Charlie Chaplin, mm-hmm. and one one business advisor who's not a manager as much he, as he is a promoter. Uh, there was an artist. There was not an artistic bone in Colonel Tom Parker's body. He didn't care about the music. He didn't care about the movies. He cared about the deals. He cared about making mm-hmm. sure that. His boy didn't just have a million dollars worth of talent, but actually had a million dollars. That's what his thing was. Um, and that was different from the standard tropes that have been that have been told about Elvis again and again and again. And an awful lot of those kind of like mythic portrayals of who he was. So Baz was going for something that I had never seen before. And, and any time you're going to be able to explore something that is uh, that you think you know the story and you find out all this other stuff. Ah, I think that's a cool way to make movies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it sort of gives you a blank canvas to sort of go in a lot of directions for how you could take and really sort of, you know, offer some new insight into, into Colonel Tom in a way. And
1: a lot of people said, oh, the Colonel killed Elvis. And he said, I didn't kill Elvis. I made Elvis, you know? Yeah. You've seen so you've seen the movie, right? So
0: I haven't. No, I had the have. No, I have not got on the oh, screen yet. But I've seen. I
1: haven't seen the
0: movie. Oh, that's interesting. But I know I've seen as as much as I can, and I'm very excited to see it.
1: Well, because I think everybody at some points wants Elvis to fire Colonel Tom Parker, and they want him to, and he's going to go do it. But then he doesn't, and it's like, why doesn't he? Well, well, it's kind of because the Colonel makes some sense there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Colonel yeah. well, was pretty smart,
0: a real visionary, and in a lot of ways, I mean. What sort of new things did you discover about Colonel Tom in playing him that like you were really surprised by that maybe impacted Elvis in different ways
1: well uh, he the Colonel Tom Parker invented the greatest hits record, for example, yeah when Elvis was in the army and was not recording and is what was not performing, Colonel Tom Parker made sure he had hit records every twenty weeks, so Elvis was just as popular when he came back as he was uh, in the day. Uh, he made sure that he uh, uh, had a multi-picture deal that ma- did turn him into the highest paid, in a lot of ways, the highest grossing artist of his day. Elvis Presley movies were, were a big box office, provided they weren't too dramatic because Elvis made dramatic roles that, you know, uh, in, the, in the early 60s that nobody went to see. But yeah. they also, but they did go to see GI Blues and uh, Fun in Acapulco, Girls, 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 and Viva Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, he yeah. also invented the satellite broadcast, um, you know, the closed circuit television yeah. by you know, you know, over a million people around the world. That was Colonel Tom Parker's doing. And then he also Colonel Tom Parker helped invent the concept of the superstar in residence in Las Vegas, the very first one that was huge. Was Elvis Presley, um, so there was a uh, there was that. Then yeah. came along the 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 revelations that, that came from Priscilla and Jerry Schilling themselves. They came over for dinner because uh, uh, Rita knows Priscilla from working on women's cancers, uh, yeah. organization. And I was prepared to hear horror stories about what an evil man the Colonel was. And both of them, Jerry and Priscilla, said. He was one of the most delightful men I've ever met. He was wow. fun. He was joyful. When he came into the room, uh, it brightened up. He always took care of us. Was he a carny and a and a cheapskate? And did he do? Uh, did he do? Uh, 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 what, uh, was there malfeasance involved in an awful yeah. lot of the? Yes, but even Priscilla herself told me said. Elvis Presley wasn't going to be able to handle his merchandising, but he was glad that the Colonel handed it over and he was glad to take 50% because he wasn't going to do that work and there was nobody else that was going to. Yeah. So yeah. The, the big revelation for me was that, um, that uh, con- and even, you know, contra- but we, we land on, you know, more difficult moments, but there time and time and time again, Colonel Tom Parker made Elvis Presley's dreams come true beyond his wildest imaginations. Now that can't go forever, but it did certainly for the vast majority of his career.
0: And it blows me away. I mean, one of the things that I was always so shocked about Colonel Tom is that he, he never got citizenship here in the United States. It was always sort of a big secret with him and that he potentially is the reason why Elvis never toured internationally, which blows me away that Elvis never toured internationally. I didn't know that.
1: Well, it's interesting because Elvis could have toured internationally. I mean, Elvis was was not a pushover. Elvis could have liked, and and actually that's one of the things that is is in the movie, the colonel always said, yes, if you want to do that, yes, go ahead, yes, yes, yes.
0: Mm. He might have had to fire
1: the colonel in order to do it, but the colonel was not going to leave the country, and he did not want anybody close to his boy. That was one other aspect to it, but at the same time, At the same time, he was able to plant this idea. Why go around the world when you can make the world come to see you? All you have to do is do six weeks in Las Vegas every year, and guess what? You'll have a sellout every single night, and you won't have to take on the costs. You won't have to take on the insurance. You won't have to travel, but without a doubt, the the colonel uh, conspired, in his own mind and with some other people to make sure Elvis did not go around the world because had Elvis done that, he might have sidelined, <clears throat> sidelined the Colonel and the Colonel was a self-serving promoter. Let's not, let's yeah. not turn him into the most altruistic human being on the planet. Yeah. yeah. But the, look, I mean, Elvis was, Elvis was a big boy and if he had wanted to do it, he could have done it.
0: Yeah. It's something it to
1: the good. artistic level that Elvis was not a businessman. Elvis was, who wanted mm-hmm. to sing songs in front of people, and and uh, the colonel made that happen.
0: And I think I mean for me, I know you're you're a lover of history. I am too. I'm a big history buff, history major in college, so history is a big deal. And it 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 blows me away that you know whenever there's like a big historical figure like Elvis Presley, he's he's his impact on the 20th century is huge. And but the person who really kind of shaped that history. Was Colonel Tom? He's the writer of that. He kind of elongated that in a way, don't you think?
1: One of the first things that he did, and this was in 1956, is he made Elvis exclusive. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a great uh, one of the one of the great pieces of research I had. It's a long going interview that he with some guy on the radio, and this was 1956 so 1957, and he's essentially asking why why, why, why doesn't uh, um, why doesn't Elvis appear on TV like everybody else appears on TV? Why is he not constantly on, on late night talk? Why doesn't he have his own show? You know, he could have uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford has a show. Why doesn't Elvis have his own TV show? And the colonel mm-hmm. knew that exclusivity was p- money in the bank. If you wanted to see Elvis Presley, you had to pay to either buy his record, listen to, his, listen to him on the radio, which they made mm-hmm. money off of, or go see him live and in person. That was it. If he he said, how much is it worth? How much is it worth if you give it away for free? The colonel knew what he had, and that's another aspect I think why Elvis was the earth-shattering cultural figure that he was. He Mm -hmm. never never got overexposed. Later on, you could say certainly in the in the '60s when he made so many silly movies, he he did. Um, But you can't stay white hot. Um, you know, for the for the duration of your uh, of of the arc of one's career, and yeah. uh, the the colonel was was let's just say, I won't say he's a genius, but he was very proficient as to knowing when it was the next time to move on to what the next medium would be. Because look, he uh, all of his fans had grown up, and it was a different sort of person who was willing to see La, uh, to see Elvis, willing to willing to pay the big money in Las Vegas. As opposed to you know, uh, uh, seeing him on a television show.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it kind of surprised me that when I heard that you were playing Colonel Tom. I, at first, I didn't see it because you're America's best friend. You're lovable. You're like a that's like we all. You're part of our family in a way. And so Colonel Tom seems like a like a almost like a mean character. Which you've done you know darker characters before. You've done sort of different type of characters. I'm thinking Road to Perdition comes to mind. Like, but they all have that sense of sort of you know, there's a good moral code somewhere in there. And did you have any reservations about playing Colonel Tom? Were you surprised that you were, that, that Boz wanted you to play Colonel Tom?
1: The only reason I take jobs is because I think the guys are fascinating, you know, and as you look, and I am look, I've been, I'm 66. Um, at some point <laughs> you, you can only throw yourself into these kind of things when, When I when I feel as though I'm going to get to able to truly examine some brand of authenticity, I'm not interested in playing bad guys for the sake of bad guys. You you, you know, I'm not not even interested in those kind of movies sometimes. I like films when no one is particularly bad. They just might be wrong. Um, And everybody's motivations are relatively clear. And what I, saw, what I saw in Colonel Tom Parker was that, that devious mix of self-serving and um, uh, moxie, of genius somehow. You know, when, you, when you see the movie, um, I think one of the purest, purest things about it, and Baz and I talked about this quite a bit, was this fact. The Colonel didn't care what song Elvis was performing the first time he saw him what he noticed was his effect on the audience. And I understand that. That's not a guy who looked, oh, I'll be able to turn this guy and bend him to my wishes. He actually saw this guy on stage, turning a crowd of women into sheer unadulterated banshees experiencing something primal in himself. And that, that was what was fascinating um, about the man and also, and also to me. There's also an aspect of, look, I have a certain kind of countenance. And, the, you know, you, and you carry that with you into every single one of your films. And I must say, too, when I saw what the the colonel sounded like and what he looked like, it was so far away from myself that that's a luxury for an actor in order to jump into, if you can pull it off.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that sort of bleeds into my next question is that with, I'm thinking of stars like you, like like Julia Roberts, like, You know, George Clooney, you have your personalities are so a part of, you know, the who you are to us in a lot of ways. And do you ever worry about the aura of Tom Hanks being being overshadowing the character you're playing?
1: No, because I think everybody makes a deal with the art form. You know, everybody knows that it's a movie. And I think everybody goes into everybody goes into a film. Look, if you're going to see the same guy over and over and over again, you know, that's yeah. like looking at a, you know, uh, I, this, that's like looking at a, a, you know, a variety show. And I'm just the host of it. You know, that, that, that I, I think the I think the the. Uh, uh, the deal one had, the agreement uh, uh, anybody in movies has with the, uh, with the audience is, is to come on in and I'll show you something you haven't quite seen before. I'm, oh yes. I'm, am I familiar? Absolutely. Any, any actor who's been doing this for a while and has promoted something, very few movie stars are yeah. mysterious and uh, they might be a little bit mercurial. but uh but i i the 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 uh what's it's it's the there's a name for it and it's going to come to me and i'm going to scream it when the when our zoom session is all done (laughs) it's uh it's uh it's an understood contrivance between uh the the artist and the audience where the audience is coming says i have enough faith in you to take me places i haven't gone uh you haven't let me down too many times before so that's one part of it and also is the other thing where it's like Nothing's better than when somebody says, you know, I thought I knew that story but I didn't know it at all. I I, I learned something I didn't yeah. know. That that to me is coin of the
0: realm. Yeah, I just have two more questions for you. What did Elvis mean to you? How has Elvis impacted your life?
1: Uh Elvis was a guy in silly movies on Saturday nights and Friday nights. I, his mu- his oh. music meant nothing to me growing up. I mean I was 7 wow. when the Beatles I was 7 when the Beatles came out. So it was, and Elvis Elvis had, you know, greasy black hair and was in black and white footage wearing baggy suits. The Elvis yeah. that I you know, the, the epitome of Elvis for me was him in Viva Las Vegas, because I thought that was a pretty great ripping mm-hmm. movie. But everything else that was a great movie. everything else was just these sad little race car singer singing movies, you know, girls, girls, mm-hmm. girls, and <clears throat> Fun in Acapulco and I don't know, uh Clam you know, those were those were Elvis yeah. mostly movies. It wasn't, I did not um view Elvis as something really quite studyable, honestly, until this movie came along. And I mm. was delving into, like, for example, the import of the 1968 comeback special, which is very hard to see. I mean, uh, there's, there's kind of like a bunch of bootleg extended versions of it. But if you can, if you can watch that, that special exactly as it appeared on television in December mm-hmm. of 1968, it is a formidable document not just about Elvis recapturing the power of those original songs. And by the way, 1968 Hound Dog, how old was Hound Dog? It was already what? 14 years old. He was singing old songs at the same time. He was into this new kind of like magnificent zone that was truly contrary to, you know, bossing up the baby or, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, uh, any other song that he, you know, Don't tamper with the property of the U.S. mail. Yeah. So that was it. Wasn't until then that I came along and began to appreciate um, the place at the the place at Elvis's second career or third career because there was before the army, there was the movies, and there was the after the nineteen sixty eight comeback special where he really was a musical artist again. I didn't have an appreciation of that until this movie came along.
0: Interesting. Well, my last question for you is: I don't think any other actor. Really, in the history of cinema, has more quotable film lines than you do. I mean, I was literally, I was just thinking about it. You got Box of Chocolate, you got Houston, we have a problem, you have you're 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 a toy, you have Wilson. I mean, there's so many quotes from in your films that have shaped and that I quote pretty much weekly. I mean, it's it's wild to think about. We fell asleep to Castaway because the music in the DVD of Castaway is so calming after it's done playing it, it. You're so quotable. So what, my last question is, what is the quote that you hear the most often and what's ones that you're like kind of surprised by that you hear from fans? Uh,
1: I get, I get Wilson yelled at me quite a bit. I get that Wilson. I get uh, Oh, I, of late. I, I get people yell grace for impact at me race for impact from uh, from from Sully that's that's a relatively that's a relatively new one there that's obscure I like uh, yeah that, it's kind of nice though that's uh, 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 I don't yeah. mind that I, look I can only that's the testament to great screenwriting that's I'll, I'll give the screenwriters credit for putting those words in my mouth
0: definitely well I have to tell you before we end that the very first and the first time well not the first time I saw you in a movie but the very first academy words I ever saw was 1994 when you won for Philadelphia and oh. i was this little gay kid watching you give this speech and it it terrified me when you said what you said cuz i was obviously a kid and not out to my family but it also just indebted me to your career for the rest from that mm-hmm. moment on it was every movie i saw it was just you were this you were that straight ally that like every kid gay, gay kid in the 90s was sort of looking for in that moment and it was
1: that's really extraordinary. I think that was a period of time when there was so much fear and mystery about who was gay and who was not gay. And the, the, the pressure of society that would make anybody deny who they actually were was palpable uh, yeah. at that time, certainly because of the AIDS crisis that came out. And Ron Niswander, who wrote the script, is gay. Uh, Jonathan Demme is not. And they the first meeting that we had with them said, we want to make a movie that will play in the multiplexes, that mm-hmm. will compete, more or less, for the attention of the movie-going audience with action movies, with teen mm-hmm. comedies. We wanted to be part and parcel of the economics of the motion picture industry. And the end result being, why are we so afraid of each other in this way? There's no reason to be. So yeah. I don't know if you could do the same thing now. I think 2022 would require a different type of authenticity. But for uh, but for 1994, it, it might have been some aspect of uh, the, the only way in order to, to put it forward. And that if you were a little kid and if you were gay, you, I'm going to assume that you knew you were gay, right? Uh, oh, yes. at, oh, yeah. oh yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That in any way, if it could have empowered anybody, including you, to say, like, when I can... I will be myself and I will be proud of myself and um, I will be able to walk like everybody else and talk and gather and love who I want to love. Well, isn't that a little bit of the power of the cinema at its absolute best, but only at its best, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's so true. Well, thank you I, for sharing that with me. I, I had to just cause it just meant so much to me and that's why this interview meant so much to me. So thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, I enjoyed it.
0: What's your favorite Tom Hanks movie? Let me know. You can find me at H. Allen Scott on everything. If I had to choose one Tom Hanks movie that was probably my favorite, I'm I'm just gonna have to say The Green Mile because every single time it's on television, I stop what I'm doing, I watch it, I have a good cry, and then I go get a snack. So that's my favorite Tom Hanks movie. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. If you liked what you just heard, please leave a little rating and review and share it on social media. For more on the latest news and podcasts, head to newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. Until then, watch something fun, maybe the film Elvis, because it's very good, and have a great day.